The Z-Ball podcast is a casual conversation that occasionally delves into mature subjects and may contain vulgar adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Z-Ball Podcast. I'm Zeeshan Khan. After uh, two exciting conference final series, we are now in the NBA Finals, upcoming this Thursday, between the Golden State Warriors, the defending champions, and the Cleveland Cavaliers, the defending runner-ups from last year. And uh, joining me to go into a full preview of this series coming up this Thursday, I have uh, joining me from Pasadena, California, Shay, how are you, sir? I'm pretty good today, Sean. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, really looking forward to this NBA final series. But uh, first, uh, let's just uh, take a look back at these uh, exciting conference final series. And let's just start with the exciting, gut-wrenching one in the, out in the Western Conference between Golden State and Oklahoma City. was an absolutely spectacular series. So just wanted to get your overall thoughts on how that series played out and what your thoughts were going in and ultimately what the result came out to be. Well, you know what? Uh, that was one hell of a series, i put it that way. You know, one of the best series I've ever seen um, in the NBA so far. But going into the series, dude, uh, I would have to say I didn't expect uh, Golden State to be taken to seven games. I thought they'd probably win in like five games. But... Uh, I mean, much props to OKC to do that, but quite honestly, I think they should have closed it out after game, uh, what is that, uh, after game six at home. But uh, I think they, they did a slip, and I, I think that's what uh, eventually cost them the series. You know, because uh, I don't think OKC played, uh, what happens is, uh, all, the reason why they won game one and they won game three, game four, they played uh, team ball, and they passed the ball, uh, a good four or five times before taking a shot, a clean open shot. They dominated the boards. But in the games they lost, they didn't do that. You know, and uh, I think that eventually cost them the title. Okay, yeah, definitely. I had Oklahoma City in seven going into this series, and I kind of laid out the, the reasons that they would win and so forth. And when the, in the games they won, they played to the to those reasons, but... Ultimately, my ultimate big worry with this team was down the stretch, like like I always repeat, they get too stagnant, they become too much hero ball with, with Kevin Durant and Russell, Russell Westbrook, and that's been the same problem with this team for the last five years, and it looks like that's exactly what came back to bite them in the back in this series, ultimately, especially in the last three games, and uh, especially down the stretch in game six when they had an absolutely golden opportunity to close out the series, and close out the defending champions in Golden State. The best regular season record is 73 wins. But ultimately, uh, you got to give credit to Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson. They were absolutely spectacular, and they went bananas from the three-point line, especially in Game 6 and Game 7, and they were able to push a Golden State on to the finals. So ultimately, uh, going into Oklahoma City, they have a lot of questions uh, for this offseason. 
what do you think uh, ultimately happens with uh, their, uh, their their superstar, the cornerstone of their franchise, Kevin Durant? You know, uh, uh, that's a good question. You know, it's uh, Kevin Durant. I think most likely, I think what's going to happen, he's going to sign uh, a two-year deal with an opt-out after one year for about, what, $25 million? So he can take advantage uh, of a new uh, salary cap rules next year where he can maximize the most money that he wants. I think there's something I read or somewhere I said that if he signs a max contract uh, next year or something, he, he can get over $200 million with Oklahoma City. But he, if he were to sign with any other team, it's like five years and $150 million or something. I don't know if those numbers are 100% correct, but uh, that's pretty much uh, what I believe. But uh, I think most likely he's going to stay in Oklahoma City, but he's going to stay you know, definitely take a look at a few teams. One of the teams that uh, I, I know a lot of people don't want to, a lot of people don't think it's that way. Maybe they, just, they don't believe it will happen, but uh, I can definitely see him uh, take a look at the Boston Celtics. Because he's, uh, Celtics have exactly what he, he wants. They have a young team, they have a lot of money, they can make a lot of changes. And I've been reading a lot um, recently, there's, all, there's like reports coming out on different websites. So it's not just one saying that um, Durant's uh, agents or his people have, have come out to the Celtics and said if the Celtics uh, get these players to sign with them, Durant will, will definitely give them uh, a real good chance to go there. But I think in the end, I think he's, I think he's just going to sign with Oklahoma City for a two-year max deal. You know, I mean, I, I'm sorry, not a two-year max, a two-year contract with an opt-out after one year because so next year him and uh, and Westbrook can uh, can be free agents at the same time. Okay, definitely. Uh, uh, the the leader behind the Boston Celtics movement has definitely been uh, Bill Simmons. He kind of called this uh, a couple months ago stating the perfect reasons why Boston would be the number one destination for Kevin Durant. I don't know if I necessarily see it, but I mean, he made some pretty decent points. Uh, Boston has a lot of flexibility. They have a lot of draft picks, a lot of assets to get rid of and ultimately trade if they were to land Kevin Durant. I have a pretty interesting uh, destination for Kevin Durant. I'm not going to share it at this point because I, I feel like I feel like it will be more fair to go into it after the season is over, after the NBA Finals. It's a very uh, – I depending on who you ask uh, about this destination – you might get a reaction of, oh, I could see a good fit there, or I never thought of that, or I don't see it happening at all. But I'll definitely reveal it in probably my next podcast after the NBA Finals. All right, all right. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, sure enough. We can, we can see one of those. But I think, I think outside Oklahoma City, it's going to be – I think he's going to – ideally, if he does leave Oklahoma City, he's going to go to the East Coast. In the East Coast, you have a lot less uh, competition-wise. Except for the Cavs and LeBron, yeah, you pretty much are, are going to be the second seed wherever you go, or maybe even the first seed if you beat LeBron's team. So, uh, so I think, I mean, possible destinations. I think besides that is he can definitely look to go home back to Washington. That's definitely an, um, an option for him, I guess. But uh, it, it all depends what happens in free agency, what each team brings to the table, what kind of players. Um, if they can sign the players that he wants, because I think he wants to sort of dictate 
the two, what team he wants to play with. You know, and I, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. It, it, it's definitely going to be interesting. Hopefully it's not another uh, um, another thing with LeBron where he had to have uh, a sports center show about it on where he's going to go. Now, I don't think it'll be uh, that that uh, dramatic. I think LeBron, uh, Kevin Durant is more of a low-key type of guy. He kind of tries to keep things in his inner circle and keep things yeah. private. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons why he's considered in Boston, because uh, he doesn't want to... Uh, I don't think Kevin Durant is a big city kind of guy, you know, where you have, like, uh, the bigger markets like L.A. and New York. I don't think he wants that sort of attention around him. I think he's more of, like, uh, a small market team. You know, I mean, um, well, that's why I think he's, he's definitely going to give Boston a look. But uh, one team, I I would not be surprised. I mean, if he ended up going there, we're not surprised. They definitely have a shot. It's the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, because they have all, all the talent they have on, the, on that roster. They have Aldridge. They have, uh, um, uh, I forget the, the name of the other player, Quiet uh, Leonard. So he, if he ends up going there, he, he could be the, that third wheel. So, uh, but it, it's definitely going to be interesting to see where that ends up. I think he would be the first wheel there. I think he's better than both of well, Kawhi and uh, Aldridge. I mean, oh, the third, third, uh, the third star. Okay, I see what you're saying. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, but in regards to OKC, uh, do you believe uh, they, that they can ultimately win with this core that they currently have with the? Um, like the dynamic between Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, two ball dominant superstars. That I uh, that's a good question, dog. You know, it's 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 one of the things I think they lost the series is also because uh, I think Westbrook he, he's too erratic at times. Like he, I don't think he makes good decisions. He's always very careless with the ball, with his turnovers. I mean, there are plenty of times it showed in the game, late in the game. You know, instead of like. Um, Instead of passing the ball, he's always holding on to it. He's trying to look for some shot, and ends up taking uh, a wild shot, which ends up missing. Or he ends up going into the into the lane, trying to create some magic, and uh, eventually misses a layup or uh, a close shot. And I, I think that's sort of uh, um, it's not a good thing. With Durant, I think he needs more of a stable point guard, someone that's going to score, but uh, that's also going to give him a lot of books. He's going to pass the game, the ball to him. Oh, and that's what I think. Uh, definitely. I know. Another thing that was lacking for Oklahoma City in this series was the three ball. I mean, what the fuck happened there? I mean, especially in game six and seven, they were they were absolutely. They I think they were outscored for like a combined like ninety points from the three point line in game six and seven. That was absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, it was unbelievable. They. They can hit a, a three-pointer. When you have Serge Ibaka trying to, to uh, as your main guy, hitting the three-pointers, that's normally not a, a good deal. You know, Serge Ibaka is, uh, I know he likes to play outside of the, um, of the key, and he can hit those shots, but he shouldn't be your first option there. You need to have better shooters, and I think that's one of the things they need to work on, Oklahoma City in the offseason. they got to get some shooters playing, you know, because besides uh, Durant and uh, – and Westbrook, I mean, Dion Waiters is not a three-point shooter. Um, who's the other guy? Uh, I mean, the o- the only legitimate three-point shooter they really have, who's a star, is Kevin Durant. And I mean, right. Ru- Russell Westbrook, he makes threes here and there, but he's a terrible 
three-point shooter percentage-wise. And all the three-point shooters they have on the bench, guys like Kyle Singler, Anthony Morrow, Randy Foyer, they're liabilities on the defensive end. And they have a lot of kind of like one-way players. So, I mean, they need to get uh, specifically not just three-point shooters, specifically like three-and-D type guys, guys like uh, exactly. like a Danny Green type, something similar to that that sort of type of player, which will, will be able to help them on both ends because – as you saw in Game Seven yesterday, when they had they had I think they, Roberson played about like forty minutes of the game, and he he was just hesitant to take wide open three pointers. Well, yeah, I mean he he was scared and Durant was chewing his ass out during in the fourth quarter. He's like, you have a wide open three, you need to take it. That's why we're passing you the ball. But he doesn't he didn't want any part of it. And on the other side, uh, to his strength which is his defense, he wasn't able to stop or slow down Clay or Steph yesterday, who absolutely turned the series into Golden State's favor. Uh, I think he he did, but uh, what, I want, what I also want to say is, uh, what I, maybe it's uh, another topic we can discuss, but uh, I think uh, in this game, uh, in this series, I mean, um, in this series, I think the NBA wanted these uh, wanted the Golden State uh, Cavs final, and there were a lot of plays. I hate to put it this way, there were a lot of plays that were very questionable. You know, I I watched, like, Game 7, and I was wondering how many illegal screens did, uh, did Golden State have against uh, the Warriors? I mean, Golden State have against OKC to get Clay or Curry open for a three-pointer. I mean, there was, I can't even count. I mean, there was definitely more than 10 of them. Uh-huh. You know, where you have you have movie screens, people pushing. You know, I mean, uh, I think what's his face, Draymond Green. I think the NBA totally um, biased against him. Yeah, I mean, was biased for him, meaning that like uh, they should have suspended him for his two his two uh, his two groin kicks, but they didn't do anything. And then his tripping of Cantor. Then in Game Seven, he purposely. I think this was one of the most blown calls of all. Well, he purposely pulls down um, Stephen Adams, and then almost breaking the guy's arm onto the floor, and they call a double fouls on the play. Where the replay clearly shows that he's the one pulling him down. <laughs> what was absolutely fucking hilarious to me about that play was uh, the Golden State uh, faithful chanting to uh, have uh, Stephen Adams thrown out of the game. <laughs> exactly, that's what I was saying. <laughs> I saw that too. I'm like, my God, what are you talking about? You know, I mean this. I think Draymond Green is one of the uh, of the dirtiest players in the league, and I think that NBA. I hate to put it this way, dog, and I, I mean, I've always said it. I think NBA is sort of biased in certain ways because to them, it's all about ratings. It's all about like how much money can I get, to, um, how much money can be made off the game, you know? Because no matter how you put it, I mean, uh, this is another topic. Uh, how you put it, the NBA is always playing catch up to the NFL. No matter how you put it, you know, it's the NFL. The amount of money it makes per game. I think it says. I mean, I mean, granted, I'm not saying that um, this is what caused OKC to lose, but it definitely was one of the uh, other things that, that played against them. But but then again, they also they also blew it themselves because they made too, too many turnovers. They didn't follow their uh, their coach's uh, decision in the late games or pass the ball. Consistently look for a good shot, but they hesitated. They take. They went back to their um, what do you call? 
um, their playground mentality. It's like, do what you can to get, to get an open shot and just take it, no matter what happens, you know? Uh, definitely. Uh, in regards to the refs, I didn't really pay attention too much to the, I guess, the, the like the nitty gritty details of the calls, but I definitely agree on the, in the, in the Draymond Green instance. Uh, I think he was getting away with a lot of uh, physical play. Uh, so I think he, he kicked uh, Steven Adams in the the restricted area. He kicked, I think, Robertson in the, the face in game five and, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. and I think I just I just don't know I just don't know what the precedent is with this with these types of kicks because I mean, well, the thing is it's sort of my thinking is this you know I mean I don't think there is a precedent because I think if the NBA is pretty much biased to to what it wants because if you look at the Cavs Raptors series Dante Jones uh, uh, what's his uh, I think it was Dante Jones um, had a knee to the groin of uh, one of the uh, the players of the of the uh, Raptors, and and he gets suspended one game. Where it's like, uh, Damon Green has, what, two kicks to the groin uh, to Adam, one to the face of Robertson, and then, and then purposely tries to trip Cantor when they both fall down, and nothing is done against the guy. Yeah, I think in, in uh, terms of that, I think Adam Silver, I think, or the NBA uh, executive office, took into account, in just my opinion, this... They took into account the importance of each of those players, Draymond Green and Dante Jones, respectively, to their teams and the importance they play to their teams. So I think they didn't want to kind of decide the series. But I kind of agree. Draymond definitely should have been suspended at least that one game for the kick to the groin to Steven Adams. And he's he is now, I guess, one technical away from being suspended, actually, for a game in the playoffs. He is so. one technical. And I can totally see... In the next series, him getting suspended. I can see LeBron coming right at him. Yeah, I can see him getting it. I can see him getting into something with one of those Cavs uh, front line players, definitely for sure. I don't know exactly who it will be, but I could definitely see something going on between him and one of the Cavs players, and it would definitely not surprise me. So, oh, uh, I'm not surprised. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen where he's gonna get involved and he's gonna say something or something's gonna happen. Or there's going to be some sort of thing where he's going to get a technical foul. I think he's going to be kicked out of the game, which he which he should be. You know, because I, I don't think I mean, this is. I don't think that, I mean. I think he's he, he's playing in the wrong era of basketball. If this was in the uh, if this was in the 90s or 80s, where where the game was played that way, then it's all good. But now the game's not like it's a very finished game right now. It's not physical at all. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, a lot of the physicality has been taken out, but in some instances, uh, the refs are kind of allow the physicality in some games, especially moving into the playoffs. So you kind of see a little bit of old school mixed with the new school finesse, uh, three-point shooting. And uh, you're going to see a lot of three-point shooting. These are the two three best, sh- two best three-point shooting teams of the league so far this season and throughout the playoffs. So, uh, Going into the Eastern Conference Finals, where the Cavs won uh, four games to two, uh, the Cavs were pretty much rolling coming into the series, and then they dominated the first two games, and then kind of had a little hiccup uh, when they moved into the six for games three and four, and then uh, they got back to their winning ways and dominant ways, and they won every game, I think, in this series by, like, 19-plus. So just what was your overall takeaway from uh, 
this series, Cavs and Raptors? Well, Cavs and Raptors, I just think it was, um, you pretty much had David, David versus Goliath in that series. You know, but the Cavs are Goliath, obviously, and then Raptors with David. And no matter how much the Raptors played, how well they played, it's like they had to put in more effort and more, uh, more. Um, they had to be more physical, more effort, just to get, just to get wins. You know, where the Cavs were sort of just. Um, I mean, there were some games where the Raptors definitely played much better than them. You know, I mean, hands down. But they, I just think they couldn't. There's no way they would have beat them in um, a seven-game series. Because uh, I think the Raptors are definitely one more star away, or one more legit scorer. Uh, to be able to compete against the Cavs. Yeah, definitely. Uh, even though the Cavs uh, and Raptors finished one game apart in the regular season, it just felt like the Cavs were just a much better team. And uh, whatever, whatever, what I saw from what I took away from this series is when the Cavs were engaged throughout the whole Eastern Conference playoffs, there wasn't really any team in the Eastern Conference that could really compete with them on either end of the floor and could really stop their their offensive rhythm and their three-point shooting and LeBron getting to the hole and creating plays for all the, all the other Cavs players. So in regards to the Raptors' future, they have uh, their star shooting guard, DeMar DeRozan, who's, who's going to be an unrestricted free agent, and their up-and-coming uh, playoff star, who young uh, 23-year-old center, Bismack Biombo, who had some very important uh, games versus Cleveland and against Miami in the semifinals. So what do you think ultimately happens with them, uh, with these two players for the Raptors? I think they're going to, uh, uh, I've been hearing Bismarck Biombo is going to take a, a hometown discount. Or he's willing to take a hometown discount to stay with the Raptors, which I think he eventually will. I think DeMar DeRozan will probably stay with the Raptors as well. I mean, the only other team I can see DeMar DeRozan going to is the Lakers. But uh, are, the, are the Lakers willing to spend uh, whatever um, over 100 million to make this guy a max player? Which I don't think, in my mind, he is yet. I think he still needs. Um, I mean, he's young. I, I just think he needs a little more experience to get that max deal. Definitely, I think the Lakers, from, from what I hear uh, from recent reports, have are not really too high on him, even though he is a. Uh, local L.A. kid from uh, who grew up in Compton, went to high school in Compton, and went to college for one year at USC. And uh, He's been in the league, uh, I think, seven years now. Uh, he's the same draft as Stephen Curry and James Harden, the ninth pick in that draft. And he's developed into a good uh, like all-star type player. I don't think like a superstar level player. But, I mean, he still has ways to go. He's, he can, has a lot of improvement uh, to to make on defense and also as a ball handler and uh, he can also improve his jump shot as well as the game is moving more towards that. So I don't, I don't think it's really, it would be a smart move for the Lakers to go after kind of a marginal or like a star level shooting guard. I think it would probably be a more cost effective move for them to develop their young guards at D'Angelo Russell and Jordan Clarkson and instead of giving like a five-year, $100 million deal to DeMar DeRozan, which he probably will get from either the Raptors or, the, or another team, he probably doesn't deserve that, but he probably will get it just be due to the cap moving up. He'll get it because 
way the NBA is going with the salary cap and going to rise, players are just going to get overpaid. And, uh, you know, it's just, there's no way of stopping that. But, uh, but I do think, I mean, the Lakers, I think they might eventually, they might really consider start trying to sign him because I think the Lakers are going to try to go, number one, uh, after Durant and offer him a lot of money. But I, I, I still think I, I, Durant's not going to... Uh, uh, I don't think he's going to leave Oklahoma City. I think he, he's going to sign that uh, two-year um, deal with the max out after one. And I think what the Lakers might, um, which I think is uh, what the Lakers, I don't know, uh, hopefully not, you know, because I'm not a Laker fan, but still, hopefully not, uh, that, it, that they have to settle on DeRozan and because no other, uh, because they can't get anybody else. Yeah, I don't think that's a smart move. I think the Lakers, I mean, even if you're getting a guy like DeRozan, uh, like an all-star level, you're not really moving, gaining headway in the Western Conference unless you get like a legitimate free agent uh, blockbuster type superstar like the like Kevin Durant. I think a better name for the Lakers to go after would probably be uh, Hassan Whiteside. Uh, he would be a good center for them, and he's still pretty young. Uh, so if you want to, I saw it once. I want to, 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 to sign back with the Heat. So, there, so, so that's another thing. And plus, see, uh, I think, uh, I mean, um, I think what one of the benefits of like I think you sign with the Heat or signing in Miami is they don't have what a sales tax, right, or something like that. State tax, yeah, like yeah, state tax. Sorry, yeah, state tax. The Heat comes out here, gets the money, half of it's already gone. California rules, so uh, um, I think he, I think uh, I, I, that might play into his thing. But I think he, he really wants to stay in Miami. So, but then we never know, dog. I mean, money means everything. You know, it depends how much money they throw at these guys. They can change anybody's mind. Uh, definitely, it's a good time to be a free agent in the NBA. Definitely, that's for sure. Exactly, dude. <laughs> exactly, it's definitely a good time. So, it'll be, it'll be uh, an interesting off season to see what. What teams do? What players do? I mean, when it comes to the draft, it's like uh, uh, I'm hearing it was different things where, you know, where the Lakers want to trade out of the number two pick, the Celtics might want to trade out the out of the or the number three pick. So you never know what's going to happen. Uh, definitely, it's going to be very uh, interesting, very intriguing to see what happens with all these big contracts that are going to be doled out after the NBA draft and moving into free agency in early July. But uh, definitely, that's for a later time, and that'll be very tr- interesting to see. But now, uh, for the next two weeks, uh, every NBA fan is going to be focused on these uh, NBA finals between Golden State and Cleveland. So just kind of wanted to get your initial thoughts on the series and how you think it will differ from last year's uh, final series. Well, I mean, the main difference is uh, this this year the Cavs um, – our healthy team. Because last year, Golden State got lucky they didn't have Love uh, to play against, and uh, after game one, they didn't have Irving. So then last year, you had, uh, uh, from what I think you had, a, a LeBron pretty much taking uh, 33 shots a game, you know, and then pretty much driving the whole series. The Cavs were up, what, 2-1 in that series, and but they ended up losing to Golden State because I think the, um, because uh, besides uh, LeBron, they didn't have anybody else. 
But this year, it's, it, 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 it's a whole other series. You know, because uh, Golden State loves threes, and then uh, so does um, at Cleveland. Cleveland picked up, I think, I believe, what's the name? Channing Fry in the offseason. That was one of the great moves that, that they did, and this guy's a knockdown three point shooter himself. You know, yeah. then you have Kevin Love who can shoot threes, and it's like, uh, this could be a whole different ballgame. Because here against Oklahoma City, you know, it's um, a Golden State. Um, a lot of the Oklahoma City guys, they were playing on the outs. I mean, uh, on the quarters of the of the key, um, on the quarters of the key. But the, but the, but the thing is, they weren't hitting their shots. So uh, Golden State never really respected that. But here, they can't make that that same mistake because these guys will hit their shots. Then you have LeBron coming down the center of the lane and. Quite honestly, I don't think there's anybody on, on Golden State that can stop them. Definitely. Uh, last year, it was uh, very uh, devastating for Cleveland, missing their second and third best players in Kyrie and Kevin Love, just due to the fact that it stagnated their offense and they became ISO heavy with LeBron. And LeBron, although he played excellent, uh, he was pretty super inefficient and he was taking a lot of shots. His usage rate was through the roof. And it made their offense predictable. It made it easy for Golden State on defense to kind of key in on his post moves, his dribble drives down the lane, his penetration. So they were able to put a plethora of guys on him, like Harrison Barnes, Iguodala, Draymond, and they were able to kind of slow him down. Not like fully uh, shut him down, but slow him down to the point where he was, wasn't was as efficient, as efficient as he usually, usually is. So that ultimately proved to be the undoing for the Cavs last year. But now they have their, their second and third best player back, fully healthy, Kyrie and Kevin Love, as you mentioned, Shay, And they're able to space the floor now. And on offense, I think they move the ball. They've been moving the ball especially well in the playoffs. And their spot-up shooters, guys like J.R. Smith, Chatting Fry, Kevin Love, these guys have been hitting their threes. And I think it's going to be extremely key for – LeBron and Kyrie being the primary ball handlers for the Cavs to be able to penetrate and get in the lane and dish out to the shooters on the wings, guys like Kevin Love and Chatting Fry. So what do you what do you think ultimately could be a deficiency, something that Cleveland has to really fix from the regular season going into the series? Well, I mean, <laughs> I think it, it's their defense. You know, that's number one. I mean, they have to respect that they have to respect the Golden State's ability to hit the three-ball. I mean, you have to do that. I mean, it's like you saw against OKC, these guys, um, Clay and Curry, they were both just hitting these these crazy threes when you have, like, guys right in their face. You know, and I think that's one thing they need to – they definitely need to get up. They can't take that uh, very lightly. You know, but these guys just hit monster threes, just like that. And another thing they have to be really careful of is Golden State's ability right after, let's say, the Cavs go down thing and they score, they can't just uh, take their time to to run back on defense. they got to be right back on defense right away because Golden State loves to take advantage of a situation. You know, right after the other team scores, they'll go right back down the court. It's like less than two seconds and shoot a shot up. You know what I mean? 
So it's like, uh, I think that's one of the things Cavs definitely have to look at. Uh, definitely, I agree with that. I think that's my main concern for the Cavs going into the series is their their defense, especially uh, all the pick and rolls that Golden State runs. And like they were doing yesterday with uh, Stephen Curry at the top of the key, and he was just dancing on the big man and making him, looking, making him look foolish. Guys like Steven Adams and Serge Ibaka, and he was just uh, lighting him up, uh, especially in Game 7. And but for Golden State, I mean, they've kind of become uh, reliant on their backcourt, especially the last two games. That's pretty much what saved them. Other, all the other guys haven't really been hitting threes as well as they did in the regular season. But uh, exactly, you have with Clay Thompson and Stephen Curry, two of the the best shooters ever. I mean, you could argue, and these guys. I mean, these are these the shots these guys are taking are absolutely terrible shots for probably every other every other player in the NBA. But for these guys, they're like normal practice shots. They hit them in their sleep. Practice shots, exactly. So it's just unbelievable. Uh, it's unbelievable what they're doing. How much, how much do you think uh, Tyron Lue goes to Della Vadova as he was kind of a, able to slow down at Curry a little last year in last year's finals? How much playing time do you think ultimately Della Vadova will get? I think he's going to get a good, I think a good 20 minutes a game easily. Because I think, yeah, because what he does, I think he's like a, he's that kind of like the thorn at your side, you know what I mean? He's like, he, he'll get in your face, you know, he'll get in your face, he'll do the dirty work, you know, and I think that's like something you, you sort of need to beat um, Golden State, especially Curry and, uh, uh, especially Curry, he, if you can like push him, or when you're going to push him, or knock him down, or sort of like uh, mess up his game, then I, I don't think I think that can seriously affect his game. You know, affect his shot uh, selection. You know, but then again, with, with the Golden State, it's all about the three ball. You know, and that's why there's a term: uh, you live by the three and you die by the three. So what I think Golden State has to do for them to win. They gotta hit their threes like they've been doing, but the minute they start missing them, I think that's gonna hurt them. Yeah, definitely, they're uh, three ball reliant, and they got absolutely dominated. I think in every other facet of the game against Oklahoma City, especially on the boards. And Cleveland's gonna have to definitely dominate them on the boards if they want to have a chance in this series. Well, that's the main thing. You know, you definitely have to dominate them at the boards on the boards, which I I think they can do because Golden State plays a small ball lineup most of the time. And I think Cleveland definitely, I mean, if you put LeBron, he's much bigger than pretty much anybody on, on Golden State except for, like, maybe Bogut and Izzili. You know, he, I mean, he's pretty much bigger, so I think he definitely has to be control of those boards. You know, and, and he has to get those offensive boards or defensive boards, just use his sheer size to do such a thing, you know. And then it, it, I think it, if they control the boards and it, it, if they're able to uh, uh, play good defense, Cleveland, I, I think they have uh, a shot at taking the series, of taking the whole game, of um, taking the NBA championship. Yeah, definitely. I, I think uh, Tristan Thompson is going to be a big key with that rebounding as he's one of the best offensive rebounders in the league. And he's just, exactly. uh, he's an absolute menace on the boards. And 
He's also a very good uh, on-ball defender as well from on multiple positions. He can switch out to other point guards, shooting guards, so forth. So definitely he's going to be a, a big key, but they need to also get some sort of offense from him as well, some sort of rolls to the pick and rolls and rolls to the basket with LeBron or Kyrie and kind of keep the defense honest. Exactly, exactly. You know, I mean, it's going to be a fun series to watch. It's definitely a fun series to watch. I think, uh, I don't know, I mean, it's going to be a fun series. I can't really say, I mean, who's favorite at this time because I think you can go either way, but it's going to depend on, on the matchups. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and in terms of uh, Stephen Curry, I think the best way to uh, kind of slow him down offensively is to, like you said, kind of get physical with him, get handsy with him, Kind of like uh, Chris Paul always does when they face off, and then kind of like uh, Oklahoma City did a little bit of that as well. They kind of got a little physical with him, kind of getting in his head a little bit, kind of like uh, Draymond Green does to other other players. And definitely, you also have to have someone on the offensive end going after him. So he has to. You have to kind of make him play uh, hard defense on the other end, kind of like uh, like some teams did. I mean. In the regular season, not too many teams were able to really do that because Golden State has a lot of good, versatile defenders, and they're able to just hide Curry on the other team's worst offensive player, kind of like they're doing against Oklahoma City, just hiding Curry on Robertson. So I think Cleveland, definitely that's a one big key. They have to maybe have whoever Curry is guarding, have him run around on off-ball screens, spot up for threes, Go to the basket, make cuts to the basket, and you got to make him work, 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 work on defense. Exactly. Well, that's the whole key, dude. If they can come in and they can uh, pretty much get him, uh, what's the word? Uh, get him uh, not in his groove, they can definitely take the series, you know, and uh, I think that's what they definitely need to do. I mean, they can't let him go around by himself, and I think that. Del Dova has to get under his skin. You know, I, I think be physical with him. When it comes to the lane, you know, like, um, especially like uh, how Draymond Green plays, you know, when how he plays a little dirty. When it comes to the lane, just like um, use your uh, your shoulder to like nudge him a couple times to get him off his groove. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, I think that's the best way to go at it. Uh, Del Vadova has built up a little bit of a dirty player reputation as well throughout the league and Exactly. So uh, I, he he's definitely not Im, uh, immune to these this type of stuff and him being an Aussie and kind of a I think a former rugby rugby player so he he knows all about these tactics and how to get physical and uh, kind of get under someone's skin so definitely uh, kind of who do you see as the X factor kind of for uh, for both teams we'll start with uh, Golden State. Golden State, I think the X factor definitely has to be uh, Andre Iguodala. If he can be, he's a good. He's not uh, as great defender as Draymond Green, but I think he's uh, he's good enough defender. But he, but he but if he can start scoring, which I which I know he can, you know, if he can light up the scoreboard, that's that's definitely going to help Golden State. Yeah, definitely. Not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's definitely a helpful thing. But I think for um, for Cleveland, I think it has to be Channing Fry. 
you know, because uh, we all know what uh, LeBron's going to do. We all know what Glove's going to do. We all know what Irving's going to do. But I think, I think Channing Fry, if he becomes that, uh, that sharp down shooter from the three-point um, line, he's just going to open up the lane for LeBron, you know? I mean, you have uh, uh, a Golden State is going to definitely have to have some guy out there with him, and it's just going to create an opening for LeBron. And you know how LeBron is, even with him, even if there's five guys in the key, he'll, he'll still find a way to, to get to the basket. You know, and if um, now if, you, if it's four, it's going to make it a whole lot easier for him. Uh, definitely, that's a great point. Uh, in terms of uh, Golden State uh, for, for the X Factor, I think I'm going to have to go with their big men because uh, that's what I've been seeing, like, mostly in the playoffs for them. Most of their production has been coming from their wings and their backcourt, and their big men have kind of been a little quiet. They made a couple plays here and there, been stout on defense. And I think it's going to be very key for them, especially against a big front line like Cleveland, for Golden State's big men to be focused, engaged on both ends of the floor, especially on offense. We know what they can do on defense, uh, Andrew Bogan and Azili, but they're going to have to be engaged offensively and kind of uh, put pressure on Cleveland's defense. But for Cleveland, I'm going to have to go with uh, their starting shooting guard, J.R. Smith. I think... Uh, as Tyron Lue said, he's actually been probably the best defender for the Cavaliers this year. So they're going to probably have him on for good stretches of the game on Clay Thompson. So I think he's going to play a big role for the Cleveland on defense. And then also, he was absolutely terrible last year shooting the ball in the in the finals against the Warriors. So I think he needs to step up his game, and he needs to make more of his spot-up opportunities. That And I think he's going to get a lot of them from the penetration of Kyrie Irving and LeBron. So he needs to be ready to knock down those open uh, three-pointers that he's going to get from set up from LeBron and Kyrie. So uh, I guess the time has come. Uh, are you ready to make your official prediction? I am. I am. Uh, I'm seeing uh, Cavs and six. Okay, Definitely. I'm going to have to go ahead and go with Cavs as well. I think they're going to win in six. I'm going to agree with you. I just think, uh, even though Golden State, I think going into the series is definitely the favorite, I just think the multitude of offensive weapons and kind of uh, going back to last year, they just needed some more ball-handling people for Cleveland. LeBron needed more ball handlers, kind of guys to take take a little bit of pressure off him, and now they have that with Kyrie another ball handler who can create for himself and create for others. So I think that will be a big difference. And I think Cleveland's defense is getting better slowly, slowly, but it's still something I'm a little worried about. But on the other side, Golden State's defense has not been as good as it was last year in in these playoffs. No no way. Yeah, yeah, I'm seeing one thing. Their defense is is not that great at all. I mean, I think it's it's taken – a step down from where it was last year. So I, I did, it's going to be a good series, but I, I think it's going to, I think st- I'm still going with Cavs and six. But I think, uh, I think LeBron is going to, I think the, the Cavs this year are healthy. You know, they got love, they got Irving, you know, and then uh, I think the Cavs, um, I know um, Golden State beat them 
both times in the regular season, but that's the regular season. This is playoffs. And I think the Cavs uh, have stepped up. Just like how Cold State has stepped up against Oklahoma City, I think the Cavs um, game has stepped up a lot since the, uh, the regular season. So I, I think I definitely give them the edge. But then uh, you never know what happens in this game, but I but I think Cavs is six. Uh, definitely. So we got a consensus in, with Cavs and six. Me and Shay are both going Cavs and six. So in regards to uh, this series and kind of legacy, whose legacy do you think is most on the line? It's probably an obvious answer in this series. I think most legacy, it, it's got to be a LeBron's legacy. All right, definitely. I think this is what, uh, this is what, uh, his sixth final in a row or something? Uh, yeah, that's correct. This will be his sixth finals appearance in a row. And then, and then uh, I think more what hurts it because he lost last year to them. This year, I think he definitely wants to, wants to beat them. I don't think he wants to lose again. Uh, definitely. And, and I, think that, I think he wants to bring that title to Cleveland, which he, I think, he, I think he, he made a promise on that, and I think he, he, he definitely wants to do that. You know, it's going to be tough, but uh, I definitely think if they play right, if they play smart, they can definitely beat them. Uh, definitely, and uh, in terms of uh, this uh, finals, uh, people always make a big thing about the finals record. If LeBron ultimately the Cavs they fall short, and LeBron goes to two and five in the finals, how do you think it will affect his ultimate legacy? I mean, people are going to say people are going to say that he he always choked in the final, but then again, you really can't say that. I mean, because it's uh, I mean everybody's got to have their own preference, but you, you look at it. Uh, you have to realize that at least he he got to the finals. You know, for he got to the finals more than like most players he, he even get there. Even though he didn't win, he got his team to the finals. You know, and then I think that's something you you definitely have to look at. I think this is that definitely deserves some merit. You know, actually not even some that deserves a lot of merit. It's, it's not that easy to get your team to the finals. Uh, I definitely agree. I mean, uh, I could kind of make an argument that uh, the only finals that LeBron really has messed up in his career is the 2011 finals against the Mavericks. Other than that, I think I can't really fault him for losing any of the other ones. And then, All right. Well, I mean, that finals was uh, that finals was just like like that year. It's at Dallas were just shooting the ball like crazy, and they were just making crazy shots, just like Golden State was doing. It, it's just like they made shot after shot after shot, like three pointer after three pointer. You know, it's it's that's something that was, just a, that, was that series was very unheard of at that time. You know, but I mean that's the whole idea about this game. I mean, if you can, uh, if you have to, I mean, if you can make those kind of shots, those shots consistently, you. You definitely have a great chance of beating anybody, but the, but the key is you, have, you need to make those shots, and you and you have to do it on a very consistent basis. Yeah, definitely. And uh, in regards to, I guess, going back into the finals record, uh, do you think too much is made of the Jordan six and zero record? Is that why kind of LeBron gets uh, scrutinized about the two and four record, or? There's too much emphasis placed on that? A lot of it is part of that. I think a, a lot of it is part of that. 
But then again, you know, it's uh, a lot of people can say different things, you know, uh, because it's, uh, I mean, each player is different, you know, I mean, each player is different, each, each era in the league is different, you know, when you played in the 60s, played in the 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, it was more a, a physical type of ball, now with this more finesse ball, so it all depends, you know, it, it all depends on your opinion, but I think it doesn't really matter, I mean, uh, um, until, I mean, I would say most people will say uh, Jordan's 6 and 0 record. You know, but, but if you look at it that way, Jordan was, uh, at that time, he was like uh, a freak in the league. Not a freak, meaning that. I mean, he was the best player in the league during his time. You know, there was, there was no one close. You know, that's why he did what he did. You know, at the same time, you, you have to look at it this way LeBron. But at the same time, Jordan also had help with him on the team. You know, he had one of the of the best coaches ever. He had one of the best uh, wingman ever in Scottie Pippen, and he had a great bench behind him. I mean, LeBron, to his credit, when he in his first finals with the Cavs, he didn't have much around him. It was pretty much his will that got him to the finals. You know, and um, and but then I mean, when he went to the Heat. Then he had, what, Bosch, he had Wade, and he had a great coach. Um, I mean, the coach is okay, but uh, the real coach was Pat Riley in the background. You know, so it's like uh, a lot of those things matter. You know, and I, I think it, 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 if people want to come out and say his 2-5 and five record, you know, it's fair enough. He lost five, he, let's say he won two. But at the same time, people have to give him credit because for him to get to the finals was a lot on him. Because of his will, that team got to the finals. Okay, definitely. Fair enough. That's a good point. Uh, it's almost kind of like people make it like it's better to lose in the conference finals or semifinals than it is to lose in the finals. That's kind of the exactly. the vibe I'm getting from some of the, the people who come out and make these arguments. Well, exactly. Because when you lose in the finals, it's like you're losing in the finals. That's where history, in, in the history book or if you go online and you go to Google and you type in 19, uh, let's, let's say, um, or let's just say 2015 finals, it's going to say Golden State versus Cavs and say Golden State beat Cavs. No one's going to go back and say, oh, let me look at the, at the 2015 Western Conference finals. No one cares to go look at that stat, you know what I mean? But they're looking at the finals and, and what happens in the finals. Okay, I definitely I agree. Uh, it should be a very interesting series, very intriguing series, and I think it's going to be very uh, intriguing to see what happens. And definitely wanted to thank you for coming on, Shay. Oh, no problem, man. Thank you for inviting me once again. It was an absolute pleasure, and uh, look forward to having you on again once again, probably uh, during free agency or some sometime. And uh, hopefully we can catch some games together. Definitely, man. Sounds good. All right. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And I'll probably be back after the finals is over, and I'll have that prediction where I think Kevin Durant will end up next year. Thank you for listening.